Hello, everybody, and welcome to How About a Story. I'm Isaura. It has been a crazy three months, and I just wanted to say, because I've been going through some stuff, and I know everyone out there is going through their own stuff, too, but it's so important to stay healthy, not only physically, but mentally, and if you feel that you need any assistance, please call the National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. It's really important that we take care of ourselves. So take care of yourself. Let's go ahead and jump right into chapters 9 and 10, where we get to meet the mock turtle and the griffin and get a little intimate with the duchess. So without further ado, let's go ahead and enter into Lewis Carroll's world of words. This is Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Chapter 9, The Mock Turtle's Story You can't think how glad I am to see you again, you dear old thing, said the Duchess as she tucked her arm affectionately into Alice's, and they walked off together. Alice was very glad to find her in such a pleasant temper and thought to herself that perhaps it was only that pepper that had made her so savage when they met in the kitchen. When I'm Duchess, she said to herself, not in a very hopeful tone though, I won't have any pepper in my kitchen at all. Soup does very well without. Maybe it's always pepper that makes people hot-tempered. She went on, very much pleased at had having found out a new kind of rule. And vinegar, that makes them sour, and chamomile, that makes them bitter, and barley sugar, and such things that make children sweet-tempered. I only wish people knew that. Then they wouldn't be so stingy about it, you know. She had quite forgotten the Duchess by this time and was a little startled when she heard her voice so close to her ear. You're thinking about something, my dear, and that makes you forget to talk. Mm, I can't tell you just now what the moral of that is, but I shall remember it in a bit. <sighs> well, perhaps it hasn't one. Child! Everything's got a moral, if only you can find it. And she squeezed herself up closer to Alice's side as she spoke. Alice did not much like keeping so close to her. First, because the Duchess was very ugly, and secondly, because she was exactly the right height to rest her chin upon Alice's shoulder, and it was an uncomfortably sharp chin. However, she did not like to be rude, so she bore it as well as she could. Well, the game's going on rather better now. Tis so, and the moral of that is, oh, tis love, tis love that makes the world go round. <laughs> well, somebody said that it's done by everybody minding their own business. Oh, well, it means much the same thing, said the Duchess. 
digging her sharp little chin into Alice's shoulder as she added, And the moral of that is, take care of the senses and the sounds will take care of themselves. Hmm. Oh, how fond she is of finding morals and things, Alice thought to herself. I dare say you're wondering why I didn't put my arm around your waist, the Duchess said after a pause. The reason is that I'm doubtful about the temper of your flamingo. Shall I try the experiment? Oh, he might bite, Alice cautiously replied, not feeling at all anxious to have the experiment tried. Very true. Flamingos and mustards both bite, and the moral of that is, birds of a feather flock together. <clears throat> um, well, only mustard isn't a bird. Huh. Well, right as usual. Hmm, what a clear way you have of putting things. Um, well, it's a mineral, I think. Of course it is said the Duchess, who seemed ready to agree to everything that Alice said. There's a large mustard mine near here, and the moral of that is, the more there is of mine, the less there is of yours. Oh, I know, exclaimed Alice, who had not attended to this last remark. It's a vegetable. It doesn't look like one, but it is. Hmm. I quite agree with you. And the moral of that is, be what you would seem to be. Or, if you would like to put it more simply, never imagine yourself not to be otherwise than what it might appear to others, that what you were or might have been was not otherwise than what you had been would have appeared to them to be otherwise. Oh, I think I should have understood that better if I had written it down, but I can't quite follow it as you say it. That's nothing what I could say if I choose, the Duchess replied in a pleased tone. Oh, pray don't trouble yourself to say it any longer than that. Oh, don't talk about trouble. I make you a present of everything I've said as yet. Well, a cheap sort of present. I'm glad I don't give birthday presents like that, thought Alice, but she did not venture to say it out loud. Hmm, thinking again, the Duchess asked with another dig of her sharp little chin. I've a right to think, said Alice sharply, for she was beginning to feel a little worried. Just about as much right as pigs have to fly and the moral. But here, to Alice's great surprise, the Duchess's voice died away, even in the middle of her favorite word, moral. And the arm that was linked into hers began to tremble. Alice looked up, and there stood the queen in front of them with her arms folded, frowning like a thunderstorm. Now, I've given you fair warning, shouted the queen, stamping on the ground as she spoke. Either you or your head must be off, and that is about half no time. Take your choice. The duchess took her choice and was gone in a moment. Let's go on with the game, the queen said to Alice, 
and Alice was too much frightened to say a word, but only followed her back to the croquet ground. The other guests had taken advantage of the queen's absence and were resting in the shade. However, the moment they saw her, they hurried back to the game. The queen merely remarked that a moment's delay will cost them their lives. All the time they were playing, the queen never left off quarreling with the other players and shouting, Off with everyone's head! Those whom she sentenced were taken into custody by the soldiers, who of course had to leave off being arches to do this. So that by the end of half an hour or so, there were no arches left. And all the players, except the king, the queen, and Alice, were in custody and under sentence of execution. Then the queen left off quite out of breath and said to Alice, Have you seen the mock turtle yet? No, oh, I don't even know what a mock turtle is. It's the thing mock turtle soup is made from. Oh, I've never saw one or heard of one. Come then, and he shall tell you his history. As they walked off together, Alice heard the king say in a low voice to the company general, You are all pardoned. Come, that's a good thing, she said to herself, for she had felt quite unhappy at the number of executions the queen had ordered. They very soon came upon a griffin laying fast asleep in the sun. Ugh, lazy thing! Ah, uh, take this young lady to see the mock turtle and to hear his history. I must go back to see after some executions I've ordered. As she walked off, leaving Alice alone with the griffin, Alice did not quite like the look of the creature, but on the whole, she thought it would be quite as safe to stay with it as to go after that savage queen, so she waited. The griffin sat up and rubbed its eyes. Then it watched the queen till she was out of sight. Then it chuckled. <laughs> what fun! Said the griffin, half to itself and half to Alice. What is the fun? Why, she... It's all her fancy, that. They never execute nobody, you know. Come on. Everybody says, come on here. I've never was so ordered about in all my life. Never. They had not gone far before they saw the mock turtle in the distance, sitting sad and lonely on a little ledge of rock. And as they came nearer, Alice could hear him sighing as if his heart would break. She pitied him deeply. Um, what is his sorrow? She asked the griffin. And the griffin answered very nearly in the same words as before. <laughs> it's all his fancy, and he hasn't got no sorrow, you know. Come on. So they went up to the mock turtle, who looked at them with large eyes full of tears, but said nothing. This here young lady, she wants for to know your history. She do, said the mock turtle in a deep, <laughs> hollow tone. <laughs> well, I'll tell her. <laughs> Sit down, both of you, and don't speak a word till I've finished. So they sat down, and nobody spoke for minutes. 
Alice thought to herself, I don't see how he can even finish. He doesn't begin. But she waited patiently. <laughs> Once, said the mock turtle at last with a deep sigh. I was the real turtle. These words were followed by a very long silence broken only by an occasional exclamation of yeah from the griffin and the constant heavy sobbing of the mock turtle. Alice was very nearly getting up and saying, thank you, sir, for your interesting story. But she could not help thinking there must be more to come. So she sat still and said nothing. Well, when we were little, the Mock Turtle went on at last, more calmly, though still sobbing a little now and then. When we were little, <laughs> we went to school in the sea. The master was an old turtle. <laughs> we used to call him Tortoise. Why did you call him Tortoise if he wasn't one? We called him Tortoise because he taught us. Really, you are very dull. <laughs> you ought to be ashamed of yourself for asking such a simple question, added the griffin. And then they both sat silent and looked at poor Alice, who felt ready to shrink into the earth. At last, the griffin said to the mock turtle, Drive on, fellow. Don't be all day about it. And he went on in these words. Yes, we went to school in the sea, though you mayn't believe it. Oh, I never said I didn't. You did. Oh, hold your tongue, added the griffin before Alice could speak again. The turtle went on. <laughs> well, we had, we had the best of educators. In fact, we went to school every day. I've been to a day school too. You needn't be so proud as that. With, with extras? Yes, we learned French and music. And washing? Oh, certainly not. Oh, well then yours wasn't a really good school, said the mock turtle in a tone of great relief. <laughs> now at ours, they had at the end of the bill, <laughs> French, music, and washing extra. Well, you couldn't have wanted it much living at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> I couldn't afford to learn it. I only took the regular courses. Well, what was that? It was <laughs> reeling and writhing, of course, to begin with, and then the different branches of arithmetic, ambition, distraction, uglification, and derision. I've never heard of uglification. Uh, what is that? The griffin lifted up both its paws in surprise. What? Never heard of uglification? You know what to beautify is, I suppose. Oh, of course, yes. It means to make anything prettier. Well then, if you don't know what to uglify is, you are a simpleton. Alice did not feel encouraged to ask any more questions about it. So she turned to the mock turtle and said, what else have you to learn? 
Oh, well, there was mystery, the mock turtle replied, counting off the subjects on his flappers. There's mystery, ancient and modern, with uh, theography, then, uh, then drawing. Oh, drawing master was an old conger eel that used to come once a week. He taught us drawing, sketching, and fainting in coils. Whoa, what was that like? Well... Well, I can't show it to you myself. I'm too stiff, and the griffin never learnt it. Had in time. Oh, I, I went to the classic masters, though. He was an old crab, he was. I never went to him. He taught laughing and grief, they used to say. So he did, said the griffin, sighing in his turn, and both creatures hid their faces in their paws. How many hours a day did you do lessons? Said Alice in a hurry to change the subject. Oh, ten hours the first day, and nine the next, and so on. Ooh, what a curious plan! Well, that's the reason they're called lessons. Because they lessen from day to day. That was quite a new idea to Alice, and she thought it over a little before she made her next remark. Then the eleventh day must have been a holiday. <laughs> of course it was. And how did you manage on the twelfth? Well, that's enough about lessons. Tell her something about the games now. The griffin interrupted in a very decided tone. Chapter 10, The Lobster Quadrille. The mock turtle sighed deeply and drew the back of one flapper across his eyes. He looked at Alice and tried to speak, but for a minute or two, sobs choked his voice. <laughs> Same as if he had a bone in his throat, said the griffin, and is set to work shaking and punching him in the back. At last, the mock turtle recovered his voice, and with tears running down his cheeks, he went on. You may not have lived much under the sea, and, and perhaps you were never even introduced to a lobster. You have no idea what a delightful thing a lobster quadrille is. Oh no, indeed. What sort of dance is it? Why, you first form into a line along the seashore. <laughs> Two lines. Seals, turtles, salmons, and so on. Then, when you've cleared all the jellyfish out of the way... That generally takes some time. You advance twice. Each with a lobster as a partner. Oh, of course. Advance twice, set to partners. Change lobsters and return in the same order. Then, you know, you throw the... The lobsters! Shouted the griffin with a bound in the air. As far to sea as you can. Swim after them. Turn the somersault in the sea. Cried the mock turtle capering wildly about. Change lobsters again. Back to land again, and that's all the first figure, said the mock turtle, suddenly dropping his voice, and the two creatures who had been jumping about like mad things all this time sat down again, very sadly and quietly, and looked at Alice. It must be a very pretty dance. Ooh, would you like to see a little of it? Very much indeed. Well, come, 
Let's try the first figure. We can do without lobsters, you know. Which shall sing? Oh, you sing. I've forgotten the words. So they began solemnly dancing round and around, Alice every now and then treading on her toes when they passed too close and waving their forepaws to mark the time while the mock turtle sang this very slow and sadly. Will you walk a little faster, said a whiting to a snail. There's a porpoise close behind us and he's treading on my tail. See how eagerly the lobsters and the turtles all advance? They're waiting on the shingle. Will you come and join the dance? Will you? Won't you? Will you? Won't you? Will you join the dance? Will you? Won't you, will you, won't you, won't you join the dance? You can really have no notion how delightful it will be when they take us up and throw us with the lobsters out to sea. But the snail replied, too far, too far, and gave a look askance. Said he thanked the whiting kindly, but he would not join the dance. Would not, could not, would not, could not, would not join the dance. Would not, could not, would not, could not, could not join the dance. What matters is how far we go, his scaly friend replied. There is another shore, you know, upon the other side. The further off from England, the nearer is to France. Then turn not pale, beloved snail, but come and join the dance. Will you? Won't you? Will you? Won't you? Will you join the dance? Will you? Won't you? Will you? Won't you? Will you join the dance? Oh, thank you! It's a very interesting dance to watch, said Alice, feeling very glad that it was over at last. I do so like the curious song about the whiting. Oh, as to the whiting, they, you've seen them, of course. I've often seen them at dinner. She checked herself hastily. I don't know where Din may be, but if you've seen them so often, of course, you know what they're like. Oh, I believe so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, they have their tails in their mouths and they're all over crumbs. <laughs> well, you're wrong about the crumbs. Crumbs would have washed off in the sea. But they have their tails in their mouths. And the reason is... <laughs> Tell her about the reason and all that. The reason is they would go with the lobsters to the dance, so they got thrown out to sea, so they had to fall a long way, so they got their tails fast in their mouths, so they could get them out again. That's all. Boy, thank you. It's very interesting. I never knew so much about a whiting before. I can tell you more about it if you like. Do you know why it's called a whiting? I never thought about it. Why? It does the boots and shoes, the griffin replied very solemnly. Alice was thoroughly puzzled. Does the boots and shoes? She repeated in a wondering tone. Why, what are your shoes done with? 
I mean, what makes them so shiny? Alice looked down at them and considered a little before she gave her answer. Um, they're done with blacking, I believe. Boots and shoes under the sea are done with the whiting. Now you know. And what are they made of? Alice asked in a tone of great curiosity. Soles and eels, of course, the griffin replied rather impatiently. Any shrimp could have told you that. If I'd been the whiting, said Alice, whose thoughts were still running on the song, I'd have said to the porpoise, Keep back, please. We don't want you with us. Well, they were obliged to have them with them. No wise fish would go anywhere without a porpoise. Wouldn't it really? said Alice in a tone of great surprise. Of course not. Why, if a fish came to me and told me he was going on a journey, I would say, with what purpose? <laughs> oh, don't you mean purpose? I mean what I say, the mock turtle replied in an offended tone. And the griffin added, Come, let's hear some of your adventures. Well, I could tell you about my adventures beginning from this morning, but it's no use going back to yesterday because I was a different person then, said Alice a little timidly. Oh, well, explain all that. No, no, the adventures first. Explanations take such a dreadful time. So Alice began telling them her adventures from the time when she first saw the white rabbit. She was a little nervous about it just at first. The two creatures got so close to her, one on each side, and opened their eyes and mouths so wide. But she gained courage as she went on. Her listeners were perfectly quiet till she got to the part about her repeating you are old Father William to the caterpillar and the words all coming out different. And then the mock turtle drew a long breath and said, Hmm, that's, that's very curious. It's all about as curious as it can be. It all came different? The Mock Turtle repeated thoughtfully. I should like to hear her try and repeat something now. Tell her to begin. He looked at the griffin as if he thought it had some kind of authority over Alice. Stand up and repeat, tis the voice of the sluggard. How the creatures order one about and make one repeat lessons. I might as well be at school at once. However, she got up and began to repeat it but her head was so full of the lobster's quadrille that she hardly knew what she was saying, and the words came out very queer indeed. Oh dear, tis the voice of the lobster. I heard him declare, you have baked me too brown. I must sugar my hair. As a duck with his eyelids, so he with his nose trims his belt and his buttons and turns out his toes. That's different from what I used to say when I was a child, said the griffin. Well, I've never heard it before, but it sounds uncommon nonsense. Alice said nothing. She had sat down with her face in her hands, wondering if anything would ever happen in a natural way again. I should like to have it explained. She can't explain it. Just go on with the next verse. But about his toes. How could he turn them out with his nose, you know?
The Mock Turtle persisted. It's the first position in dancing, said Alice, but was dreadfully puzzled by the whole thing and longed to change the subject. Uh, just go on with the next verse. It begins, I pass by his garden. Alice did not dare to disobey, though she felt sure it would all come wrong, and she went on in a trembling voice. I pass by his garden and marked with one eye how the owl and the panther were sharing a pie. What is the use of repeating all this stuff? If you don't explain it as you go on, it's by far the most confusing thing I've ever heard. Yes, I think you'd better leave off. Shall we try another figure of the lobster quadrille? Or would you like the mock turtle to sing you a song? Ooh, a song, please, if the mock turtle would be so kind. Alice replied so eagerly that the griffin said in a rather offended tone, hmm, No accounting for taste. Sing her turtle soup, would you, old fellow? The mock turtle sighed deeply and began in a voice, sometimes choked with sobs, to sing this. Beautiful soup, so rich and green, waiting in a hot tree. Who for such dainties would not stoop? Soup for the evening, beautiful soup. Soup of the evening, beautiful soup. <laughs> beautiful soup. Beautiful soup. Soup of the evening, beautiful, beautiful soup. Beautiful soup. Who cares for fish? Game or any other dish, who would not give all else for two? Pennyworth only of beautiful soup. Pennyworth only of beautiful soup. Beautiful soup, beautiful soup, soup of the evening. Beautiful, beautiful soup. <laughs> Yes! Chorus again! cried the griffin, and the mock turtle had just begun to repeat it when a cry of Charles beginning was heard in the distance. Come on! said the griffin, and taking Alice by the hand, it hurried off without waiting for the end of the song. What trial is it? Alice panted as she ran, but the griffin only answered, Come on! and ran the faster while more and more faintly came, carried on the breeze that followed them, the melancholy words. Beautiful soup, beautiful soup, soup of the evening, beautiful, beautiful soup. Thank you so much for listening today. If you haven't already, please stop by our Instagram page and say hello and maybe let us know who your favorite character in this series is. Once again, stay healthy, my friends. Until next time, what stories will you be getting into?